Cowboys reveal themselves as frauds. A team no one wants to see in the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence headlines a category you don't want your quarterback in. And could we be seeing a separation from Aaron Rodgers and the Jets this offseason? All will be covered in the week 15 thoughts from yours truly, Ryan Hickey. Let's start with the biggest game from Sunday. That was the Cowboys getting obliterated by the Bills. They showed you on Sunday in Orchard Park why they are nowhere near Super Bowl level. They're not a contender. They are frauds. Last week against the Eagles, they may have been a sheep dressed up like a wolf, but you can't pull that act off. And just one week later, we saw the true sheep, a.k.a. frauds, revealed. Two reasons why Dallas, I thought, showed you on Sunday why they are absolutely not Super Bowl contenders. Number one, they got bullied. Like what Buffalo did, they didn't just run the ball well and dress things up and have Josh Allen be Josh Allen. They flat out lined up, told you were running the ball, and slammed it down your throat to the tune of 266 rushing yards. 5.4 yards per carry. You knew what was coming if you were Dallas. Look at the play call distinction here. 49 rush calls for the Bills, just 15 passes. You knew what was coming. They were going to run the ball. They didn't do anything cute. They didn't dress anything up. They literally lined up, gave James Cook the ball, and said, you go make your hay. They told that offensive lineman, uh, the offensive line, fire off the ball and shove these Cowboys back, and they did it all damn game. The Cowboys are fast. Right, they, they, they do get after the quarterback. Especially if you are a passing offense, they give you hell. But you saw if they get just flat out in a physical contest. We saw the 49ers earlier this year, and now you see them in Buffalo against the Bills. When teams want to get physical, the, the Cowboys are in trouble. That great Cowboys defense is in trouble. Can't call them Super Bowl contenders. When you look at the likes of the 49ers, the Lions, the Eagles, all going to look at that formula all now, if they play Dallas in the postseason, run it down their throat, push them around, and I don't see how Dallas finds an answer defensively between now and when the playoffs come. That's reason number one why they're frauds. The other reason is they can't win a big game away from home. Tremendous home team. Tremendous home team. But as soon as you take them out of Jerry World, now all of a sudden they're just another average team. And when you look at how right now this NFC East is shaking up, they're not going to win the division, right? The, the Eagles, as long as they went out here, um, are going to win the division. And so you're going to now be the five seed, which means you're going to be playing three games on the road in the postseason. Why would anyone think right now this Dallas team could go on the road to San Francisco, on the road to Philly, on the road to Detroit, and win a playoff game? Look at the home and road splits this year for Dallas. Um Home versus road. At home, offensively, they are scoring 40 points per game compared to on the road, just 22 points per game. Defensively, allowing 15 points per game at home, 22 on the road. So they are a markedly better team at home. And as soon as you put them out of Gerald into an opponent's ter- uh, you know stadium, they melt. They fold, especially against good teams. So I don't say you can be believing or calling Dallas still despite this loss or after this loss a Super Bowl contender when you see how bad they're on the road and you see their path come playoff time, they're going to be the five seed yet again, which means three playoff games. Could they beat the Buccaneers like they did last year? Probably. Sure. But uh, divisional round in San Francisco, in Detroit, good luck. You're not winning that. That is why the Cowboys... 
revealed themselves as frauds last week, feeling themselves. A lot of people excited about the Cowboys after they smoked the Eagles. Took all of one week for them to show the true frauds that they are. All right, let's go from that game to this Sunday night game because Trevor Lawrence, to me, it's frustrating. I like Trevor Lawrence, but he is this year easily the most underwhelming quarterback in the NFL. The expectations for him coming into the year. He was not in the MVP race, I would say, beginning the year, but I thought, and I think a lot of people thought, that was a guy that could play his way into that conversation around this time of the year. And he has done nothing, really outside of the first half of the first game, to really have you ever think the words Trevor Lawrence and MVP should be put in the same sentence. And it's like you look at the Jaguars right now, they're sitting at 8-6, and six, with three games to go in a three-way tie for first place with the Colts and the Texans. For their division, a large part of their underachievement as a whole this year can be pointed to the quarterback. Trevor Lawrence and how underwhelming, how basically average he has been this year after it was a really strong finish to last year's season and gave a lot of reason and a lot of hope for people to believe coming into this year they were going to be on the shortlist for Super Bowl contenders, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be, you know, a borderline top five quarterback. And he, and I think Sunday night was a perfect encapsulation of it, he's been a disaster. Like, you see, just seven points against the Ravens at home, and a big reason for that was the red zone. The red zone for Jacksonville was an utter disaster, to put it nicely. We're not going to curse here. Um, We'll keep it family-friendly. So to put it very nicely, utter disaster is what we could describe the Jaguars and the red zone on Sunday night. I mean, and that's been a theme all season long. They're 17th in the uh, in the league in terms of red zone touchdown percentage. You have Trevor Lawrence just inexplicably dropping the ball. Free turnover there for the Ravens. An awful decision to throw the ball to Parker Washington inbounds right before the end of the first half that allowed the clock to run down and allow you to bare minimum not even be in the position to kick a field goal. So all of a sudden right there, that's bare minimum six points off the board with two Trevor Lawrence well, one Trevor Lawrence bad decision and one bad play would just drop the football. Right there. In a game that the Ravens allowed you to hang in, by the way, because they weren't exactly scoring touchdowns in the red zone themselves, you cough up two golden opportunities to score points and keep yourself in the game. And again, it's it's on the shoulders right now of Trevor Lawrence. And it doesn't make sense. Like, you can't blame lack of weapons. Like Christian Kirk got hurt a few weeks ago. Stinks. But you still have Kevin Ridley, who's really damn talented. You still have Evan Ingram, who's been a top 10 tight end for the two years he's been in Jacksonville. You have Doug Peterson, who's still an aggressive, smart head coach that I think does a good job of putting his quarterbacks in a position to succeed. You have a lot of pieces right there in front of you. A tremendous do-it-all running back in Travis Etienne, who is both a threat in the run game and out of the backfield in the pass game. You got everything you need to be bare minimum running away with this AFC South. And the Jaguars, in large part because of Trevor Lawrence's underwhelming play this year, are instead now in a three-way tie with three games to go uh, with two teams, one in the Colts who had a backup quarterback play this year in all but one game, and the Texans who had a backup quarterback just play on Sunday, but also now are trying to break in a new head coach and a new uh, quarterback. Like Those two teams are nowhere near the level and are nowhere near ready to win the way the Jaguars were coming into the year. But here we are, three games to go, all three with the same record, all three right now tied for first place. And Trevor Lawrence is a big reason why. 22 touchdown passes this season, 
10 interceptions, 10 fumbles. I mean, it has just been inexcusably bad for Lawrence this year. And his play, I think, is, is by far the most underwhelming of any quarterback we have seen so far in this 2023 season. The opposite of underwhelming is right now what the Rams are. They are en fuego. They are the team right now, the NFC, that outside of the 49ers, no one wants to see coming to their building. They are red hot. They got championship experience at head coach and quarterback. And now if you're the Lions and you have LA running into your building wildcard weekend, if you are the Eagles and you have the Rams coming to your building wildcard weekend, that's not a gimme. That, that's not a rollover. All right, we're going to get a win here. No problem. Let's get ready for the divisional round. That is going to be a dogfight. The, the Rams are absolutely live here. And they are playing some really good football down the stretch. They've been winners of four of the last five. You look at Matthew Stafford, been red hot the last month, 12 touchdown passes, just one interception. He's been playing really good football. And again, now when you add having a quarterback and head coach who you really see in the playoffs now, teams separate themselves in large part based on how good their head coach is and how good their quarterback is, you now have two guys that have won Super Bowls, that have won big-time games together, that have won big-time road games together. In the postseason, that is a dangerous combo. Now, all of a sudden as well, Cooper Cup starting to come alive, starting to make a big impact. That is going to be a big-time problem. The Rams are a team that I think most people wrote off before the year, not to give myself you know a little pat on the back here, but I bought into the Rams in terms of being a wild-card team, in, por- uh, in part because while they were top-heavy, yes, they did have a lot of championship experience at the top and still were very talented enough to where now all of a sudden the emergence of Kyron Williams and the emergence of Puka Nakua offensively have now been enough to lift this team when others have not played well. And now they're 7-7, seven and seven, got right now the seventh seed in the playoffs. They are a team that's going to be problematic for anyone that faces them wild card weekend. They are top heavy, but they have gotten good injury luck so far and they know how to win big games. The Rams are a joy to watch. And now it took a little bit, a little slow, out of the gate. But now here they come playing some really good football the last month. They are going to be a problem. They're making the playoffs. They are going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be a problem. Wild card weekend. All right, let's finish um, these Week 15 thoughts here. The two head coaches that put themselves firmly on the hot seat after their team's, again, to keep it family-friendly, lackluster performance on Sunday. Robert Sala and Arthur Smith. My goodness. Let's start with, with Arthur Smith first. I, I don't I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know if like he lost a bet and is now like having to try to win games without some of your best players. I don't know if he's trying to outsmart himself, but you are playing the worst team in the league, the Carolina Panthers. There's literally no one in the stadium. No one is there. It is pouring rain. Feed B. John Robinson. It's easy. You got 51 plays in the pouring rain, which, oh, by the way, also, you don't trust your quarterback in Desmond Ritter whatsoever. You don't trust him to hand the ball off. And so, in a game that is rain-soaked against the worst team in the league, with your division hopes still alive, by the way, you go into a game against the Panthers, and you decide to give the uh, Bijan Robinson the ball eight total times out of 51 plays? What are we doing? Like, each week it feels like we're talking about a different Arthur Smith head-scratching coaching decision that makes no sense, 
and that leads to a loss. Like, the, the Falcons, out of the NFC South teams, easily have the most talent of the four, uh, four teams on offense. And here we are talking about them losing inexplicably to a Panthers team, and they score just one touchdown on the day. I, I Again, I don't know if Arthur Smith is daring himself to get fired, if he's trying his best to show how smart he is. So I'm going to win games by featuring Tyler Algier and Jonu Smith and have them be my primary playmakers. When you have Bijan, when you have Kyle Pitts, when you have Drake London, like I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what's going on in Atlanta, but the more you watch it, the more it makes zero sense what Arthur Smith is thinking and his game planning going into these games. He makes it so much tougher on himself than it has to be. Sometimes, less is more. Don't be cute. Just feed the hot hand, feed your best player, and you're going to win more games than not. What do a lot of announcers say in big-time moments, right, when it comes to like a third and five with a game on the line? What do they say? It's about players, not plays. Keep it simple. Just put the ball in your best player's hand, and more times than not, he's going to make a play. And Arthur Smith, for whatever reason, refuses to do that week in and week out. And if you are, again, right now Arthur Blank, you have to have some serious soul-searching going on and asking yourself, what are we doing? What's the direction of this team? Desmond Ritter there in 2024 or not? Can I really trust Arthur Smith to get the most out of this young offense? Or do I need someone else to come in here and make it happen? Arthur Smith is coaching himself right onto the hot seat. I think he is there after that just disgusting. Week 15 loss to the Panthers. On the flip side, Robert Sala is doing the same thing. This is what I don't get from Robert Robert Sala. When you look around the league, right, you have a lot of teams right now winning despite being injured, especially being injured at quarterback. But yet, after another embarrassing game, which you lose 30 to nothing to the Dolphins, when they didn't have Tyreek Hill, you are there after the game, and he's done this a lot. He's been there saying, well, you know, our quarterback got hurt. You know, our offensive line is banged up. Like, you know, what are we supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Tell it to the Browns. Tell it to the Colts. Tell it to the Vikings. Tell it to the Bengals. All four teams are in playoff contention despite suffering major injuries to their quarterback. Why is it like, what is Salah looking at around the league where he thinks, okay, well, the Browns have had four different quarterbacks start for them this year. They're still, and by the way, their offense line is depleted. Four to their five starters are out right now with injuries. They still found a way to win the game and beat the Bears on Sunday. Colts had Gardner Minshew play and dropped 30 points on the Steelers despite the fact the Colts are missing their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their backup running back, their right tackle. Michael Pittman Jr., the best receiver, went out in the first half. Like five of their best players this year all out at different points either going into or during the game on Saturday. They drop a 30 spot on Pittsburgh in a game the Colts had to have. Why is it okay for those teams to still win but Robert Sala is going to Sell to the fan base, sell to the ownership. Well, you don't have Aaron Rodgers. Our, our offense line's banged up. Like, why he thinks that's okay, why he's playing the woe is me card this year more than ever, where you see more teams than ever win with backup and third string quarterbacks and still keep their seasons alive, despite the fact that QB1 is out? Dude, wake up. You play that woe is me card, you're out on the street at the end of the year. It makes no sense. But yet that keeps happening. And then, by the way, that leads into the players quitting, which they did. And I honestly 
can't fault the Jets players for quitting in that game against the Dolphins. You heard it after the game. The big, there's two words that a lot of Jets players used after Sunday's game. Out-schemed, out-executed. Sure, execution is partly on the players. Make plays when you get a chance. But it's also out-schemed. The entire coaching staff is doing an awful job at putting whether it's Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, doesn't matter, in a position to succeed. Like if you, And that's what brings you to this thought of just like when the more you watch the Jets, the more you wonder, like, does Aaron Rodgers even want to come back to this team in 2024? Do the Jets even want Aaron Rodgers on this team in 2024? Because I don't think just his return next year is making this team a playoff team let alone Super Bowl contender. No way. They are. They have so many holes that a 41-year-old quarterback just returning, I don't think is enough to all of a sudden now put the Jets in a in a position to contend next year. Like, look at this team really fast. They have, you could argue, all five offensive linemen should be replaced this offseason. You have one good wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, who, again, speaking of putting players in positions to succeed, why he's getting no targets until the third quarter makes no sense. That's partly on the quarterbacks. That's also partly on Nathaniel Hackett, unable to scheme anybody open. Whereas on this side, Jalen Waddle, you knew was going to be the number one target. And he had a, a massive day, despite the Jets knowing he was going to have a big day, because Mike McDaniel did a great job at putting him in positions where he was open and gave Tua good throws and gave Waddle good mismatches to get open. And so you have no offensive line, one good receiver, no consistent running game, and you have bad coaching. Salah right now can't inspire you to fight out of a paper bag. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't know how to call plays. He is awful. He's a terrible offensive mind, period, stop. Forget off- you know, forget head coach, forget offensive coordinator. He's a bad coach, period. So he's not doing anything to make Aaron Rodgers better next year. Sure, you got a great defense, but you're wasting that great defense with incompetence on offense. And so again, you have a 41-year-old quarterback next year returning off of a torn Achilles with no offensive line, with no receiver outside of Garrett Wilson showing you any sort of reason to believe in them, no consistent run game. Are we sure that the Jets next year want Aaron Rodgers back? Wouldn't it make sense to trade him? Maybe get something back and retool that offense? Would it make sense? I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you look at this team. Do you want to end your career in oblivion next year playing on a bad Jets team? It doesn't make any sense to me. The more you watch, the more you realize, like, man, there it doesn't the Jets right now are not a quarterback away from Super Bowl or playoff contention. And Aaron Rodgers, one good year left next year. So the Jets, you have no plan at quarterback right now past 2024. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you have, let's say, one last run. Do you want to spend it with the Jets? And right now, an increasingly tough division. And even though the conference has been down this year, a lot of quarterbacks are going to be coming back next year healthy. I don't think this conference this time next year is going to be as bad and as average as it is right now in the present day. Sure you want to finish your career with the Jets? I don't know about that one. I mean, the contract is hell moving off it. If you're the Jets, there's a lot of money you're going to have to eat next year. So that alone may not make it palatable. But the more I watch the Jets, man, the more it seems like for both sides, for the Jets to finally get some future plans going, and for Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to have one last shebang and and win a Super Bowl, it ain't coming to New York. 
Maybe a mutual parting here could be the best for both sides. That's how bad, though, right now it is with the Jets. That's how uninspiring this team has played. And that's why if you're Robert Sala, I don't care that Aaron Rodgers is not there. The fact that you can't get your team ready to play, the fact that you can't fire one of the worst offensive minds in the game in Nathaniel Hackett, despite the fact that he just each and every week embarrasses himself and thus embarrasses you with how bad this team plays, how a change has not been made, there gives no confidence whatsoever that Salah, that Hackett, that Joe Douglas, even the GM, that they are the right guys in charge going forward here to get the Jets back um, on a winning track for the first time in 13 years. Eliminated from the playoffs yet again, and now currently have the longest playoff drought in all four major sports. The Jets for you. That is classic Jets.